The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. I'm speaking to you at what I know is an increasingly challenging time. A time of disruption in the life of our country. You stand beside us. The pride in who we are is not a part of our past. It defines our present and our future. succeed and that success will belong to every one of us. And I want to reassure you that if we remain united and resolute, then we will overcome it. This time we join with all nations across the globe the dreams that we have in a common endeavor we'll use to guide us through the good and the bad will you still be beside us no holding back now friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. And 100 days on from the last time we watched a game of English football, the Premier League does meet again. A three-month hiatus is now over. A way to finish the 2019-2020 season has been found. And on this rather historic day, we have two matches for you. The first at Villa Park to see relegation-threatened Aston Villa take on high-flying Sheffield United. Kickoff is at 1 Eastern.
Following that match, we take you to Manchester and the Etihad Stadium, which has been used by the National Health Service over the past few months to help ease the burden of the COVID-19 crisis on local hospitals. It continues in that role even now that football is back. And today, in front of an empty stadium, of course, we will see Pep Guardiola's Manchester City take on his old assistant, Mikel Arteta, and Arsenal. Hello and welcome along to Premier League Live. I'm Rebecca Lowe and it is good to see you again. The pandemic stopped the Premier League in its tracks on March the 10th with the postponement of Manchester City against Arsenal, the game they can now play today. And then, of course, the postponement of the league itself three days later. Since then, the world has been socially distant. Grief and sacrifice have been a constant throughout and, of course, still are. But sport is finding its way back into our lives and the Premier League has been proactive in its planning of this day for many a week. COVID-19 is not the only issue facing the world right now and we will be talking about both the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement today on Premier League Live. And I'm delighted to say that joining me, albeit a little further away <laughs> than usual, because, of course, social distancing reasons, the two Robbies, Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto. Gentlemen, it's lovely to have you back. Lovely to, to be, be back. back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Robbie Musto, I'll start with you. So many sports leagues across the world struggling to get back. The Premier League has done it. Today is the day. Is the timing right? Yes, I believe it is, Rebecca. And, of course, it's been driven and guided by the UK government and... I guess the government feels it's the right time and there's been discussions between the government and the Premier League and the clubs, the managers and finally the players to agree these steps of return. And I think they've been very carefully thought out. We know that the environments that the players have gone back into have been incredibly clean and sterile. And most importantly, the testing. You know, all the first-team squad and key staff within the football clubs have been regularly tested twice a week and the positive tests have been a very low number in terms of percent, percent of the total uh, amount tested. So it feels right. And also I think a little bit of encouragement gained from the Bundesliga coming back maybe three or four weeks ago now. It just feels it's the right time. Does it feel right to you, Robbie? It does. I think the testing has been important. Robbie said that's underpinned everything that's moved forward. The Premier League, the protocol, the planning they've put in, in place. I just feel as though the clubs, the teams, the players have all been united. It's like they feel it's the right time. I think the, the, the challenge, Rebecca, was always going to be in a time where people are losing thousands of, of lives and, and loved ones. It's really, can we talk about titles and relegations in Europe? How important is that? At a time where we've seen the Black Lives Movement sort of gain and, and grow to a glo global stage, are we OK talking about win, losing and draws? I think it's that we can have feelings for both. We know the context of where football fits and we're back to the best league in the world and we still should be able to enjoy that as well. Absolutely. I mentioned the National Health Service and you mentioned it there, or the NHS as it's known at the start of the show. And as tribute to all the doctors and nurses who are risking their lives to treat people with COVID-19, players will have the NHS logo on their shirts throughout the rest of the season. The NHS has become an even more valued part of British life in the last three months. And alongside the NHS badge will be one for Black Lives Matter as well, which will replace the Premier League badge for the rest of the season. And for these first 12 games of the restart, instead of the players' names on the backs of their shirts, we will be able to read the words Black Lives Matter. And this has all come about because 
of the players. They released this statement on Friday. We, the players, stand together with a singular objective of eradicating racial prejudice wherever it exists to bring about a global society of inclusion, respect and equal opportunities for all, regardless of their colour or creed. This symbol is a sign of unity from all players, all staff, all clubs, all match officials and the Premier League. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Players Together. And yes, Today, the Manchester City forward Raheem Sterling posted this video produced by him onto his social media accounts. We are tired. We are tired of no one listening. We are tired of screaming for help. We are tired of discrimination. We are tired of protesting. We are tired of demanding social equality. We are tired of demanding social inclusion. We are tired of asking for change, for a better society, for a better life. We are tired of seeing black men die. We are tired of saying, what if it was me? Falling asleep like George Floyd. We, we are, are tired. tired. I am Jaden Sancho. I am Kevin DeBlue. I am Raheem Sterling. I am... Vincent Company. I am Jordan Henderson. I am Lucy Bruns. I am Gary Clichy. I am David Alaba. I am Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. I am Gary Lineker. We're tired of no one listening. I will never tire of being black. It's a brilliant video there, produced, as I say, by Raheem mm -hmm. Sterling himself. We need to talk about the situation. Robbie Earl, you and I have sat here, unfortunately, a number of occasions yeah. over the last seven years and discussed racism in football. Mm -hmm. Now it feels like we need to discuss racism globally because yeah. that's what this is now, a global movement. For me, it feels different. Key yeah. for you, Robbie, does it feel different? My headline, Rebecca, is this is the most important time of fighting race that I can remember in my life in my life. We spoke back in October um, about an England international against Bulgaria where black players were, being, were getting chants and being abused and Jordan Henderson, a white player, Liverpool captain, Harry Kane, the captain of England, a white player, was going over to the referee and saying, if this continues, we're going to walk off the pitch. And I said to you then, that's a watershed. That was the first time I can remember that White players had taken that abuse themselves and said, we're not having this for our teammates, we're a team and we'll walk off. What we've seen over the last three weeks since the death of George Floyd and, and the rise of the Black Lives Movement is something that I couldn't believe would happen in my life. There's been an energy, a globalisation, where people of all colours, of all spectrum, of all background, have said, this is not good enough. They were horrified by what they saw. And... The biggest point I can make out of this, Rebecca, is now is not the time to sit back. Now is not the time. Now is the time to get forward, to have those dialogues, to start conversations, to have some difficult conversations that are going to move this thing forward. And I was fortunate enough to, to speak in a Zoom call to Raheem Sterling yesterday, and it was insightful and powerful what, what he said to me. My takeaway from him was... In my 25 years of fighting racism, we use words like we might do something or maybe this will happen. He said, Rebecca, this has to change. 
And because he said this has to change, we have to make the most of this mo moment. This is a huge moment for race, not only in the United States, not only in the UK, but globally. People have put the attention on race now all around the world. We have to make the most of this opportunity. Do you have more hope than you've ever had? I am more optimistic than, than I've ever been. But I'm certainly not sitting back and saying, right, we, we, we've got this sorted. We have a long way to go. Robbie Musto, it's very difficult for you and I to have a conversation <coughs> about race. Let's put that out there because yeah. we've never had to experience everything that Robbie Earls had to experience throughout his life that he kindly shared with us on one of our podcasts throughout the last three months. But it feels an overdue global movement, does it not? We've seen gestures, but this is overdue. Yeah, it, it finally feels it's given the platform that it's deserved. And, you know, I, I want to see more than a single black player lifting his shirt and showing a message. It deserves more than that. It needs more than that. More official, more supported kind of supporting this message. And that's why it's so great that the players' names will be replaced by Black Lives Matter on the back. There'll be a patch on the sleeve for the rest of the season. And, and that's what it feels it needs right now. And I'm sure we're going to see things today in the games of players' unity, taking a knee, whatever they're going to do. But I think we're going to see more, particularly of this first set of, of fixtures. Also, you know, over the last few weeks, Rebecca, you know, I've found myself asking, could I have done more as a player? I played with hundreds of, of, of great black players. Could I have talked? Could I have listened? Could I have tried to understand their issues a lot more back when I was playing? Did I kind of shrug my shoulders sometimes at things that are happening and not fully engage? Could I do more now? Me and my wife are in the middle of a, of a documentary series about uh, the history of uh, African-Americans in this country. It, it, it's fascinating, but it's painful, it's brutal, it's difficult to watch, but it's something I feel I need to do right now. And just moving forward with football again, you know, because it is on a different level now, guys, isn't it? It's on a different scrutiny uh, and sensitivity. You talk about players that, that got abused and talked about maybe walking off. I think we're ready, maybe expect it, and, and certainly understand if a black player does walk off now, if this continues in, in, in with a in a stadium here or overseas, or, and, and hopefully a uh, the team would follow him off the field of play. That's where we're at, Rebecca. That's where I think we are now with this extra level of, 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 of passion about this, this horrible subject. Well, let, let, let me take you up on something which I think is really, really important, Rebecca, to say. When you have racial abuse, it's very personal. You take it on your own. You go home. I've talked about you put the armour on, the mask comes on, you smile, but it really hurts. For the first time, Rob... You're looking around and there's people with you. Mm. And you've talked about a black player walking off. I think we're at the stage where a white player would walk off first mm. and the black players would follow him. Mm. I mean, that's 360 from where we've been. And I think people would accept it. They would understand why we, we, we've been... When, when people saw for nearly nine minutes the life of a black man when he was laying on the floor with a policeman's knee on his neck, they've realised that the life of a black person is very different, and I think we're now on a stage where a white player would walk off the football pitch mm. because of the abuse that's going on and the black players would follow. Whether it's a white player or a black player, mm. whatever does happen, if that does happen, yeah. the power of an athlete, the mm. power of a footballer for you can manifest change? Absolutely, and there's been no-one more in the spotlight than, than Raheem Sterling Mbaka, who has gone from a brilliant footballer to a brilliant man. He's taking this on his shoulders and, he, and he's driving with it. And just speaking to him, you can hear in his voice, his children and his children's children are not going to go what he's gone through.
Well, as you said, Robbie, you spoke to Raheem Sterling yesterday, and that interview is going to be available later on this week on our digital platforms. We'll also air it on Premier League Live on Sunday. With regards to what you're going to see today, there's going to be some changes around project restarts. Let me just talk you through. Of course, we know there's going to be no fans at the stadiums, and that's, of course, going to carry on until the end of the season. There's also going to be restricted access within, within the ground. So only those who tested negative in the five days leading up to the game will be allowed there in that red zone, which includes the pitch, tunnel and the dressing rooms. There's a lot of games in a very tight time period. So to reduce the risk of injury, teams are going to be allowed to make five substitutions per game rather than three. And that means they're also allowed to name nine players on the bench increased from the usual seven. Now, many players have wondered about their contracts because some expire on June the 30th, right in the middle of the rest of the season. Well, those players can agree with their clubs by the 23rd to extend their contracts until the end of the season. The Premier League would advise players to maintain social distancing, which could include goal celebrations, water breaks. We are seeing Premier League in the summer. We don't see that very often. So they're going to be every half midway through, no longer than a minute, and every player will have their own water bottle. And there will be no ball boys, no ball girls. Instead, replacement match balls will be placed around the pitch in case one cannot be retrieved from the stands without causing a delay, in case somebody puts it into row Z, as they say, Robbie, and we have to wait 10 minutes for it to come back. There will be a replacement system. So, no fans... That's the highlight. That's the headline, yeah. I should say. Yeah. How's that going to affect this? Well, it, it's going to look and sound obviously very different um, from the players' point of view, incredibly different. From preparation to, to being on flights, to being on buses, to coming out separately, it's very different. But it's the same for all parties, all teams, all players. And, you know, we've just talked about the situation that we found ourselves in. Life's changed very much from the last time we sat in these seats, and players should get on with it. I actually like the, the changes. I like the extra subs. I like the drinks breaks. You know, I can't imagine Premier League players running around in the middle of the summer, which is what we're going to see as well. So, listen, it is what it is. And everybody, it's the same for everybody. You've just got to get on with it now. The, the lack of crowd, Rebecca, I think is a really interesting one. And I'm trying to think of an analogy that would, would give a, a sense of how it is. It, we, before we, we used to, in the normal days, would have a chat in our, our green room and we'd talk about football subjects. And it would be a certain ebb and flow and rhythm to those conversations because no-one's watching. We come in here on a camera and broadcast, we have that very same conversation, and it's different. It's got a different ebb, ebb and flow about it. There's a professional nervousness that you get when you're playing, as you do when you come in the studio, so things are different. So I'm expecting the intensity of, of matches to be different because you've not got that stimulus of that crowd with you as you would have it on normal days. But the one thing that stays the same, VAR. VAR is oh, the same, guys. We love VAR. So you, we love a bit of VAR. <laughs> We're going to get our teeth into that. Other than Liverpool, yeah. what are you looking for the next six weeks, Robbie Earl? The club mentality, Rebecca. What happened to those 28, 29 games that have already gone? Does it affect those teams at the bottom? I'm talking like Villa, Bournemouth and Brighton who were in bad form. Do they still take that haunt of, of relegation with them, Rob? Teams in go good form, you're talking of, of Arsenal, of Sheffield United, of, of, of Manchester United, mm. in great form, didn't want the break. United in particular mm. were on such a good run of form. I, I mean, I think of all the things, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a new look United, almost like a mini-season for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's guys and a midfield that could have Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. And you've got Marcus Rashford, who's, who's stepped up his game this season, back from his back injury with Martial up front. That is going to be kind of exciting. They're right on the heels of Chelsea. They'll try and push into a top-four position, not knowing what's going to happen with Man City. But of all the things I'm looking forward to seeing is a potential exciting new-look Man United. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No fans in the stadium, so nobody to boo the referee, although technically this isn't the referee's fault. Michael Oliver, talk us through it, Robbie. Well, Norwood's going to take the free kick. Goalkeeper Orion Nilan goes back towards his goal, and he comes in confrontation with one of his own players. It's Davies, the centre forward. Now, you'll see here, he goes back into his goal, and it looks there, we've highlighted, the ball's clearly over the line. You can see a gap between the line and the ball, which normally means that... that the goal is given. We didn't get the goal decision system. That was the worry. Either we see those graphics where the ball is just clearly over or just clearly on top of the line. We didn't get that. Michael Oliver's saying with his watch that he didn't get the buzz to say the goal's over, so he can't give it. Within a few minutes, the Sheffield United Twitter account with this, just one word. Really? As you saw there, Michael Oliver was showing that he didn't get a buzz, he didn't get notification on his watch. There were reports during half-time that actually in the referee's changing room, his watch did go off and it said goal. That, it, that is in, inaccurate. We've spoken to the Premier League. They were just testing the system, which was working at that point. Now, Hawkeye, that runs GDS, the goal decision system, we're expecting a statement of what happened and why we didn't hear from them during that game. The question about whether VAR should have got involved, we asked the Premier League during the second half. They said, yes, they could have got involved, Robbie. Mm. Talk us through how they could have got involved. Well, there's a window of opportunity Opportunity, and it's before the next stoppage in play. You have to get into the referee's ear at that point. Now, we timed it out at 69 seconds from the incident. The ball did go break up the other end, and Aston Villa earned a free kick right in their attacking part. Now, at that point, we're at 69 seconds. Portini's the VAR should have got in Michael Oliver's ear to say, hang on a minute, delay the restart, we're looking at something. That didn't happen. The free kick went into the box and the opportunity to use VAR after that point is over. The ramifications of this, Robbie? The repercussions, Rebecca, are that teams down at the bottom of the league have seen Aston Villa get a point that might help in their fight to stay up. And from Sheffield United's point of view, that's two points lost that might have taken them into a much more mm -hmm. advantageous European position. I don't think we've heard the last of this. Um, Robbie Earl, we saw mm. a lot of powerful images yeah. there today. What has stood out for you? The jaw-dropping moment, Rebecca, when the players took a knee, when the referee blew the whistle before the Aston Villa-Sheffield United game. The eyes of the world were watching that game, the restart to, to the Premier League, and such a powerful message was amplified, was sent around the world. It gives me hope that we're nearing a time of change and um, I thought it, it was a stunning thing for the, for the Premier League and the players to do. And do you expect to see more moments I like do. that over the weekend? And, and I feel that this isn't just about something short term now. It feels a lot more like there's going to be a consistent message by the Premier League, by the players who are involved and hopefully that's the start of change. 
Robbie Musto, it's been an interesting day all round. What about your well, take? Well, I'll just continue from those pictures, Rebecca, and I think we've all feel great to be back and, and watch this amazing league, but the Premier League continues to provoke emotions. We didn't see the greatest football today. They weren't the greatest games. The players looked a little rusty. But from, from the images there, and I'll go through it again, from the respect and appreciation of the National Health Service to the, the sign of solidarity from the Black Lives Matter movement, from the frustration of the, the goal decision system and the VAR again, from maybe an emotion of anger with David Luiz's performance. You get an emotion of wow for some of the stuff that Kevin De Bruyne showed in the game. And maybe the last emotion of worry for Eric, mm -hmm. Eric Garcia. So only two games, but my goodness, it did not feel like a lot went on in, in the day-to-day. -day. And also, the emotion, simply, I think a lot of people out there will also have felt at the beginning of the day of it simply being back in our lives, this yeah. game that mm. we love. Yeah, uh, uh, and, it, and it's, it's so important to be back in our lives. Mm. But again, it, it does strike home when you see all the different things that happened today. Mm. Um, in mm. some ways, a very tough day for the league and certain players. And others, we did see some bright moments there and... And, and reasons to be optimistic, as, as our great friend Robbie Earl says there. But, wow, what a, what a first day to be back. Indeed. You mentioned the goal decision system in mm. the game at Villa Park. That was really the football headline coming out of that match earlier on. A goal that should have been given. Sheffield United thought they'd scored just before the break. The ball clearly went over the line. But according to Hawkeye afterwards, the company that oversees the goal decision system, they said that the referee did not receive a signal to the watch because the cameras located in the stands around the goal were significantly occluded by the keeper, defender and goalpost. And this level of occlusion, they say, has never been seen before in over 9,000 matches. They've unreservedly apologised to the Premier League. Now, should the VAR have been intervened? Well, PGMOL said afterwards that VAR could check goal situations, but because the ref never received a signal from GSD on his watch, and that's so unusual, VAR did not intervene. And I think it's clear what Sheffield United made of it. Let's hear from their manager, Chris Wilder. My issue is, is, is obviously... Of, of one of, of, of frustration. Uh, seven cameras haven't picked it up. Uh, the most uh, technical league in the world. Uh, video analysis, pro zone, and everything that we see at every angle, and it hasn't seen uh, a goal. And um, that's disappointing from our point of view. You know, we went to, to Tottenham last year, and I suppose it's nothing really to do with the, the timing of it. You know, John Lundstrom's big toe was offside and I'm, I'm, I'm hanging around at White Hart Lane uh, in the pouring rain for 10 minutes waiting for a decision. Um, so I don't really understand why I couldn't have waited around for another 10 minutes in Birmingham when it was raining for another decision. But uh, Statements come out, unprecedented as they talk about, unbelievable. Uh, I did have a bit of a laugh and a joke, would you believe, today that because we feel, well, like, imagine a, a lot of the Premier League clubs have had decisions go against them and we've had some pretty poor ones go against us. And uh, I did say uh, I won't bet against us have it been uh, the, the first one to, to go against us and it's, it certainly has uh, this evening. Do you accept the reasons given the technology just hasn't worked or are you looking at that? It seems like a hint of what you're saying is why hasn't a human intervened? Why hasn't VAR got involved is it that clear well that's what i've said you know um, I, that's the balance in it we were wait we were waiting for somebody i don't know who, who it was at, at stockley park to to show show a bit of courage and stick the chest out and say well i'll make that decision um but if he's saying that they've not seen it and seven cameras haven't seen it then i suppose he's going to say he can't make that decision
Let's unpick that, shall we? Because the role of VAR, Robbie, we know as they have themselves, the PGMOL, admitted that they could have got involved. But because the referee didn't receive that buzzing on his watch from the goal decision system people, VAR, and that had never happened before, mm. didn't get involved. So are they to blame, VAR? Yeah, uh, they are to blame as much as the goal decision system. What is it, 9,000 games and one kind of error or, or problem with the system? That's what it's there for, and we know the, the, the Premier League referees have admitted it. It's there to help in goal situations, and there was, what do we time it, at something like 69 seconds, mm. an opportunity for Paul Tierney, the, the, the VAR, to get into the ear of the referee to say, make sure they don't take that free kick, let's have a look at this. And that's a disappointing part, and I feel for, for Chris Wilder, they're very... I guess calm in some ways, Rob, when you consider what's happened yeah. to them in, in, in other situations in the Premier League with the VAR. That's the disappointing thing, Rebecca. Of all the times that this system went wrong and VAR wasn't there to clean it up, and it should have been. The thing is, we've had four weeks. All the managers have said we haven't had enough time to get as fit as we'd like. Every team has been working to score goals to win games. Sheffield United have done that today and have only ended up with one point. And the repercussions could be huge that if they miss out on Europe by a point, Rebecca, a team that's come promoted from the Championship and miss out by a point, it will be scandalous. If Aston Villa stay up by a point, people down at the bottom of the league will be asking questions. What kind, I mean, are you talking, asking legal questions? I'm thinking talking legal questions. I, I, listen, if I'm Sheffield United, I'll certainly be asking that question. If I'm Manchester United and that happened, you can bet they're getting their legal team on it. Sheffield United have every right as well. Interesting that Hawkeye came out afterwards pretty immediately and unreservedly apologised to Sheffield mm. United and Premier League. I would have thought Hawkeye hope mm. that that is enough. We shall see whether or not that is enough for Sheffield United as the weeks go by. We take you back live to the gantry. There they are, Graham Lasso, alongside kind of Arlo White. It's good to see you, <coughs> chaps. Tell us what it was like to be there. Well, it's interesting, Rebecca, you mentioned Pep Guardiola. Look, it's been a strange day, as we expected. He's being interviewed down there. I'm sure uh, you'll turn this around and you'll, you'll all hear from Pep Guardiola very shortly. But Jeff Shreves, who's the Sky Sports uh, reporter, is, is two metres away. He's stood in front of a, 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 a barrier down there. And it's just very odd, isn't it? We had our temperatures taken, Graham, on the way in. We passed the test. We were covering our mouths. We were socially distanced for the entire game. Funnily enough, this little community of commentators were chatting to each other throughout the day as well but what were your observations of your own experience um well i think there were there were two things one i think is all the preparations different for everyone particularly for the players uh, arsenal coming up you know flying up coming straight to the game coming out early trying to get their legs going two injuries early on mm. so uh, for me it's about how you adapt to a different environment and how you maintain a focus throughout the, the 90 minutes. And I have to say, I was so impressed with Manchester City, the way they sort of got their rhythm. It took them a little while. They made a few mistakes, unusual mistakes that we, we wouldn't normally see. But by the end of the game, they'd found this rhythm and flow and, and quality that really did impress me. I think it was a lot more difficult for Arsenal, the circumstances, the mm. team they were playing against, the sending off, obviously. But it's great to have football back. Yeah. So many talking points, two matches, Loads of talking points. I can't wait for the next game. Yeah, and we'll be back at the weekend. Rebecca, two games down, 90 to go of Project Restart. We'll talk to you at the weekend. And comfortable for City it has been for the last seven games in all competitions against Arsenal. Seven straight wins, outscoring them by 20 goals to two. Here's Pep Guardiola. Pep, apart from the injury to Eric Garcia, was that everything you wanted tonight? 
Yeah, we are a little bit concerned. Uh, he responds quite well, but uh, we have to wait. What's going to happen next hours about uh, Eric? But yeah, of course, it's the first game. You never know what's going to happen. For the fact that a long time without playing and the first days to see, but a part of Eric, no injuries, and and uh, and in some moments will be good. How much did you pick your team for tonight's game, or do you have to look at the amount of games you have in this intense period right now? Yeah, we have one eye in the next game, yeah. Uh, so we select this one, having an eye in either one. Now we have five days, but that was three days, three days, four days. So Laporte was also long injury and, you know, and, and there are players I believe we are not for 90 minutes, but play 50, 60, 70 is good. And maybe next game play another one, we try to maintain everyone a bit fit and avoid injuries for the, for the Premier League. Now we have 15 points in front for the fifth in the in the in the table to qualification for the Champions League that is the first step uh, to to get it and after focusing in Newcastle and in Real Madrid Raheem Sterling linking up nicely with Kevin De Bruyne with a little help from David Luiz there in the middle to open the scoring for City today against the Gunners let's hear now from the Manchester City number seven did you think you found your rhythm after about 10-15 minutes and then really dominated the game in the first half from then on? Yeah, I think the first 10 was, you know, kind of getting used to this atmosphere and getting the cobwebs off. But after that, I thought we controlled the game well and um, we took our chances well. What does it mean, the first goal in the calendar year for you? Yeah, um, you know, it's something, you know, I beat myself up about, but I knew um, at some point I'll get an opportunity, I just needed to take it and uh, that's what I've done today. Was that strange, the celebration? Because obviously you've got to try and social distance. Yeah. No, I think um, we've got to remain, um, you know, with all the safety tips. But at the same time, it's football, and you know, uh, in the last couple of days, all the boys have, you know, tested negative. So um, I think we we celebrated in the right manner. We weren't too close, but you know, little fist bumps um, can't hurt anyone. Also, of course, before the game, another very powerful message as all players took the knee. Tell us the thoughts behind that and what you're hoping that type of gesture can achieve? Um, I just um, see it as a, you know, a massive step for the Premier League to allow um, something like that to happen. Um, it shows we're going in the right direction and you know, little by little we, we're seeing you know, change and that's what everyone's hoping for, not just black players, every, I think the majority of the country, so it was great to see. How did it evolve? Um, I think it's just natural, I think it's organic. I think that's the most important thing, you know, we've seen other teams do it and um, early in earlier kickoff and um, I think it's something that we thought we had to do as well. But that is all from us today. It was an emotional day. It was a historic day. And as we leave you with images from the last six hours, we thank you for joining us throughout today. It was so good to be with you again. Bye for now. Never back down. We are survivors. Our world is a very different place to the one that existed at the end of the last Premier League game before the break 100 days ago. You stand beside us. So many have yearned for the return. That moment is now upon us.
the eyes of the world were watching that game and such a powerful message was amplified, was sent around the world. It gives me hope that we're nearing a time of change. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.